Hello and welcome back to Intelligence Talks. I'm your host, Anna Ward, Senior Research Analyst at Knight Frank, and you're listening to the second of our bonus episodes for our flagship magazine, The Wealth Report. We're speaking to contributors to the magazine about the biggest questions for real estate. And today I'm delighted to share that we're joined by Hong Kong-based entrepreneur and angel investor, Yatsu. Yat is CEO of blockchain and gaming firm Animoca Brands. Animoca was last valued at $5 billion and it has in recent years pivoted dramatically towards blockchain, NFTs and the metaverse, buying up one of the world's biggest metaverse firms in 2018. Also joined by Knight Frank partner and Wealth Report deputy editor Flora Harley, who interviewed Yat for the magazine. So you can find that in our most recent Wealth Report issue. Hi, Yat and Flora. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure to be here. Hi, Anna. Thanks for having me. So guys, in this episode, we'll be looking at how much real value property assets have in the metaverse, how the process of buying land and real estate works in the metaverse, and what you actually own after making a purchase. So yeah, I guess for the property sector, the thing that everyone is um, struggling to get their hands, heads around really is how much value virtual assets have. So when they're looking at land and property and buying up property in the metaverse, is it worth the risk? Is there a price bubble? So, of course, you know, we're in the space and in industry and while there is certainly volatility, our perspective is that we're still just very early in the space. In other words, the market will continue to develop and grow overall. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's just the value that will increase. It's also the breadth and depth of the space will expand, which means there's be more options, more things to purchase, more experiences to be had. Well, obviously, at night, Frank, we think it's interesting. We wouldn't be doing a podcast on it. And clearly, Flora's made the metaverse quite a big part of the wealth report this year. Flora, I mean, obviously, uh, you've spoken to a number of people on this, including, yes, of course, in the magazine itself. I mean, in terms of from a ultra high net worth perspective, so how much interest are you seeing at the moment in the metaverse? Well, I think it's just been an increasing part of everyone's investor sort of discussions. I mean, blockchain technology, we've charted that over the last few years and sort of the increasing interest in it, particularly from ultra high net worth individuals. This year, our survey said that 61% cited blockchain technology as an increasing opportunity for creation, growth and preservation of wealth. And that's highest among Asian and North American individuals. So there's clearly a lot of interest and, and a lot of opportunity there is now being seen by private investors. It just in terms of sort of the NFT and crypto space, what our survey found is that 11% of ultra high net worth own an NFT and 18% own some sort of cryptocurrency or crypto token. And again, that varies by world region, but you're just seeing that there's still a lot of interest in this space, which is why it's something we wanted to talk about in the wealth report, because it's something that charts the trends of ultra high net worth and wealth and where it's going and where the opportunities and the risks are. So we wanted to start exploring that because... Also, what we found from our survey is one of the biggest reasons people don't invest in this space is they don't understand the utility. They don't understand the relevance. And it's an incredibly volatile market. I'm sure we can all attest to. Um, and we've sort of seen the wild swings in Bitcoin, Ether, and, and all the different likes. So, I mean, it, it's still, as Yat said, it's very much a market in its infancy. And the opportunities and the depth and breadth are only going to grow. But you sort of just got to start having an understanding, which is why we wanted to dig deeper and also look at it from that real estate perspective. I mean, are you seeing ultra high net worth buying some particular assets or are there trends that you've noticed, Flora, in terms of what they're 
looking to buy in the metaverse? Well, I think it's still sort of that lack of understanding. So people are dipping their toe in with probably some of the bigger sort of names and also just sort of looking at Bitcoin. But when we wrote about it in December, there was already, uh, you know, 8,000 different cryptocurrencies out there. So how do you know which one to invest in? There's so many different opportunities. And it was interesting talking to one of the wealth managers in my Inside Wealth feature. He likened it to sort of the Betamax versus VHS, you know, which one was going to win out. Or, or, you know, you look at sort of the internet in the late 90s, early 2000s, and there were so many different companies. And you had some that really won out, you know, Amazon, your Google, your Facebook, all of these are now sort of tech titans. But there were there were so many others that you could have been investing in at the time, and then they've just sort of fallen away. So I think the crypto space and sort of the NFT and metaverse, there'll, there'll be a lot of that. I mean, there's so many different metaverses. So how do you know even which one to go into? So, you know, it's an incredibly big space. And I think ultra high networks are particularly wary of the fact that they have this lack of understanding and it's it's still very much a new technology and new space. So it's sort of just trying to dig deeper and understand all those nuances and the fundamentals. Because like any sort of investment vehicle, you've got to understand the fundamentals as well as the the drivers for value. Uh, Yeah, how do you see the the dust settling? I have actually read that the sandbox is poised to become one of the established metaverses out there. Um, But how do you think the landscape will look? I mean, how many metaverses will we end up with over the next few years, do you think? Well, I think from our perspective, we look at the metaverses that are being created, like the sandbox, as, you know, really almost like the sort of birth of a new country or city or whatever you want to call it. They are a collection of communities that have formed together through the structure of the sort of decentralized autonomous organization, the DAOs, they ultimately will have governance over that as well. So it is essentially like creating a a new society. And in that sense, just like we have in the physical world, thousands of cities that are meaningful and important, we believe there'll be thousands of metaverses out there. So I think, you know, there's some people who say, oh, there's really only one metaverse. And I guess in the construct, the way we think of that is, well, maybe they talk about it in the context of Web3. But as as humans, we don't exist singularly, right? We don't experience just one culture. In fact, we don't want to. We are very diverse. I mean, we see this from, you know, our friends and our families. You know, it doesn't matter that we're from the same gene pool. We are very, very different from each other. We have different likes and we have different desires. And, you know, that has been expressed in the physical world. And in the digital world, it hasn't really been expressed that well. This is why the metaverse is so powerful, because we can now coalesce around the communities that speak to us truly. Can you tell us a bit more about the sort of practicalities of um, doing deals in the metaverse, and particularly when it comes to buying up property and, and land? I mean, how does that work in the sandbox compared to sort of other worlds? I mean, to continue your analogy, obviously, if they're like different countries and so on, presumably there are different ways of going about making these purchases. So how does it work in your world? Well, typically speaking, in the case of Sandbox, you're able to buy virtual real estate either through using the Sand token, which is one of the, uh, essentially the token of the Sandbox. But, you know, other people are selling it in other cryptocurrencies, such as Ethereum, for instance, is, is a very popular form of exchange as well that people use it. And I guess you can think of it almost like, you know, you can buy real estate in the US with US dollars, but you could probably buy it in British pounds or in the euro as well, right? So, so there's some conversion differences, but, you know, people, whatever they're willing to sell for, would do that. The difference would be that you need a wallet, And specifically, you need a decentralized wallet. 
this is where it's maybe a little bit different, where the custody of the uh, sort of funds in the current market means that you have to have it yourself. And then you have to make the transaction, which is done entirely on chain. So the whole process, when you think about buying physical real estate, is you know you have to go through a lawyer, maybe you need a notary, maybe you have to go through contract writing and so on. These are multiple steps that you know could take weeks to complete. On blockchain, it is handled essentially with either one or a series of transactions, but it does all of that in one go, which is one of the reasons why liquidity is so much faster. Imagine that you could have all the safety and the acknowledgement and the security of the handing over of the property, but within minutes as opposed to within weeks, right? What happens when you're able to do that with physical real estate? What happens to the liquidity and the growth of that market? It will grow very rapidly. And then the metaverse is just demonstrating that obviously with virtual land, because you can now trade land at the speed of basically a commodity. And that's sort of driven, of course, some of the value in the space, but also the interest there as well. From your perspective, what would you say is the sort of next big thing in in the metaverse for property? One area I thought was quite interesting was this idea of community and neighbourhood. But a question for you on that I had was, um, I mean, do you think people are more likely to kind of go in and buy a property and then have literally a kind of virtual sort of metaverse of neighbourhoods that don't actually exist in the real world, but they're all sort of working together to improve a kind of community there? Or do you see a greater use being perhaps the metaverse literally just replicating what we've already got? So effectively, your current physical neighbourhood could also be accessed in the, in the metaverse, and then you could work on imp- improving it there. And there's more of a link to the real world. I mean, I think you'll see all of what you mentioned. And the reason why is that, again, as people, we were drawn to sort of our experiences that have shaped us in the past and the way that we want to construct, you know, our future often is a reflection of our experiences in the past. So there's one generation, maybe the older ones, that would want to reconstruct their, you know, physical experiences in the metaverse, maybe because of the fact that they might not have the same mobility, maybe because of the fact that they want to recreate some nostalgia. You know, one of the things that I'm always amazed, you know, I, I didn't grow up in the US, I grew up in Austria, but, I, you know, obviously um, Chinese ethnically. And uh, when I went to the US, uh, I first experienced Chinatown. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> wow, this is a throwback. This is not Hong Kong as I know it today. This is Hong Kong of like 30 years ago, right? And why is that? And I think this has a little bit to do with the people who moved there have recently recreated the experience as they see it. So Chinatowns around the world, I suspect London might be similar, actually have a lot more, let's say, cultural heritage sort of protection, if you will, almost, than say Hong Kong, or <laughs> even though Hong Kong is at, is at the heart of it, right? So the metaverse is a construction of that as well. People who have those same kind of experiences are going to be reconstructing the metaverse similarly to how they experience it. But the younger generation is different, right? The younger generation is going to construct the world entirely the way that they wish to see it because they're not necessarily sort of bounded by a past. It's certainly shaped in a certain way, but it's different, right? So they're, they're bounded and shaped by video game culture, by different kinds of media, which is when you see today, and I see this really culturally as well. If you asked my parents that, you know, Marvel superheroes would be sort of the thing that <laughs> we would all worship and sort of be, be drawn to, it would have sounded ridiculous, say, <laughs> 40 or 50 years ago. And today, this generation is drawn by virtual real estate, by games and Roblox, by experiences like Fortnite, uh, by bored apes, right? It's, again, a different experience. It's one that might be less understandable to older generations, but very understandable to the younger generations who, who this speaks to. And they're going to be creating you know, a, a, an experience kind of like the sandbox, 
that is completely different and is one that may have no sort of correlation to the physical world. But just to close on this, what's powerful there is I can now build relationships with people and get closer to them just because of the fact that I have, you know, a sort of estate there. Uh, like, you know, the land in Snoop, what Snoop Dogg has in Sandbox, his land, the area around is more valuable because you can be a neighbor of Snoop Dogg. And when you buy a piece of land, Snoop actually calls you out and is like, you know, welcome <laughs> to the neighborhood. So you could technically bring, you could bring over some cookies over to Snoop's house. Is that, is that happening? <laughs> what's, the, what's the neighborhood vibe? Well, the neighborhood vibe is that Snoop has these passes and you can come to his mansion. And this is the other thing about scaling relationships. You know, an, an artist like Snoop Dogg in the past would normally broadcast his personal experiences in a show or in a performance, right? And people would be in the audience and watch him. But that's kind of where it typically ends, right? But in the metaverse, he can hang out in basically his Snoop Mansion in the sandbox. And people who are neighbors or, in, or basically who have a membership pass can, can literally walk in and, and hang out with Snoop and, and have a chat. And he can scale those conversations much better, which basically actually provides a much more powerful network effect to his neighborhood, which is also the reason why his neighborhood has gone up in value as much as it has. Awesome. Right, listen, thank you guys so much. Pleasure to have you on. Thanks, Anna. Thank you so much. For more analysis, you can subscribe to our research note, which goes out every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. You can see our show notes for more details on that. And please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and listen out for our next Wealth Report special episode in a month's time. Thank you for listening to this week's bonus episode. <laughs>